0: So welcome to episode 19 of Developer Melange, the podcast
1: about developing software
0: in the 21st century directly from Vienna, Austria. Developer Melange brings regular discussions about everything software development.
1: You can find us online on developermelange.github.io and you can follow us on Twitter via at That's def M-E-L-A-N-G-E. We are very keen on
0: learning what you think about this show or the podcast itself. So please reach out for us. On Twitter or I'll leave your comments on our website. We appreciate all your feedback and here are your hosts. My name is David, I'm an enthusiastic software professional working in various projects using a bunch of different stacks and environments and prefer my code simple and small instead of clever and edgy.
1: My name is Christian Haas, I'm a developer who embraces extreme programming. And I'm very proud
0: to announce that we have a very famous guest today in our show. He's called Patrick Kua. I guess most of our audience already knows him. He's mainly famous for evolutionary architecture and the whole area about becoming a tech lead. So welcome, Patrick, in our episode. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So give us maybe a short introduction, Patrick, to maybe the a small portion of people who do not know you yet, what is you actually doing, What is, what is your what are your topics, what are you into? Sure, uh, so
2: I'm currently playing the role of a chief scientist at N26, uh, which is a German-based uh, mobile bank. Uh, we're on a mission to be the uh, bank the world loves to use, so we just came out last year in the UK and actually probably about a month ago in the US as well. So, we're expanding very rapidly. I was the sort of former CTO as well of N26, and I was there to sort of help what I say, sort of shaking the startup and getting us ready to scale up. Uh, And so, the company is very, very different now, which is why I've transitioned to a new role. Uh, And before that, I was sort of consulting for quite a number of years uh, at ThoughtWorks. Uh, So, I started with them in Australia and then uh, in the UK. Uh, where we were also embracing lots of extreme programming, uh, where sort of the ideas of continuous delivery came out, and uh, where um, I started to talk about uh, talking with tech leads, tech leadership, how uh, evolutionary architecture is really important, uh, and published three books around this area. So, one which was very early called The Retrospective Handbook, uh, which is really about how do you get the most out of the practice of retrospecting uh, as teams and as individuals. Uh, and then also uh, talking with lots of people who are on their journey to tech leadership. And that was the second book called Talking with Tech Leads. Uh, and then the third book was called Building Evolutionary Architectures, which I think came out a few years ago now. Uh, but it's really focused on what does architecture mean in today's world of really rapid
1: change and agile teams. Mm-hmm. All right, so in, in your book, Talking with Tech Leads, uh, one answered, I compare it to the role of a sergeant on the ground in military. So, meaning still in, someone still being in the field with the other developers, yet taking a more important decisions as well and or responsibilities. Uh, with companies uh, these times desperately looking for developers to fill their open positions, uh, how much should a growing developer already look into skills for becoming a lead developer? What's the point if, if, if it's enough to just be a regular developer filling these? Yes,
2: positions? this is a very good question. You're right. A lot of companies struggle to find very good engineers, developers, and... Uh, um, I think one of the interesting things that I always think about for being a good engineer is also what environment do you create to allow other engineers to thrive? Uh, And so this is actually one of the reasons why for people who want to have more impact, it's actually a really good growth opportunity if people want to start sort of thinking about this role of a tech lead because you can have a lot of engineers, but one of the key responsibilities of a tech lead is making sure that everyone is working towards the same direction. Uh, And this is why you can't just have a whole army of different types of engineers uh, is that you need somebody to help sort of shepherd and and work with everyone to make sure that they're working towards that common goal. Mm -hmm. And so even if you have lots of developers, you kind of need somebody at least to make sure that there is a common goal, vision, uh, that there's alignment, uh, because this is one of the issues when teams often don't have a tech lead is that developers often disagree and they can't make their way forward and that sort of comes through in the code base and the complexity. So unnecessary complexity, right?
1: It sounds a little bit dangerous, or at least I see the dangerous aspect of this. Mm-hmm. If, if a developer is already being held so precious as they are, well, rare, uh, might this go into an egoistical downward spiral where the developer thinks well i 'm so special, so I should be the one uh, calling the shots and Now, if you have ten of these kind of people in your mm-hmm. team, uh, how this would yeah. work
2: yeah, so I think um, there 's a sort of misconception or perhaps or a, a stereotype of what people might think of the tech lead and um, after i 've interviewed so many different people who in this role what 's really fascinating is that everyone has their own what I call a flavor of being a tech lead. Mm. Uh, and so you might think of a very militaristic, dominating kind of person who's making decisions. I would actually say that's probably the the worst stereotype because uh, I think one of the interesting things that a lot of tech leads who are very effective uh, is that they really try to work to unleash the potential of all of the developers. Mm-hmm. right And I always you know ask managers, tech leads, and other people in leadership roles, like, why would you hire? Um, smart, intelligent people who solve problems only to turn around and tell them what to do. That's not exactly what they need. What they need is clarity of priority, clarity of what the problem that needs to be solved is, and the constraints and also a sort of environment that allows everyone to sort of put their ideas out there, but also a way for them to sort of work through where there are disagreements and conflicts to come to a unified uh, way. And so that's what I would say is the an effective way of being a tech lead. And there are people who do this very differently. So there are people who are really great coaches who know how to ask the right questions mm. to draw out assumptions. There are other people who are really great at sort of listening and making sure that every voice is heard. There are other people who are really great at sort of inspiring and creating a compelling you know, challenge that everyone can put you know, uh, their, their intelligence towards solving rather than trying to find a reason to play around with the latest tool or framework that they're solving a real business problem rather than yeah. playing around with complex tools. right? Yeah, sure. And I think that's the interesting sort of flavors that I see, and particularly in today's world where, uh, you know, everyone needs to be making choices all the time. You can't have one person make all the choices for everyone.
0: Sure. But do you think each developer can automatically become a good tech lead?
2: Uh, not automatically, no. So, I, uh, it's, it's a very interesting uh, journey. So, um, I've been talking a lot about what I call the, the Trident model of career development. And so I think a lot of developers think about this uh, individual contributor role, right? So if you think about where you spend most of your week, if you said, okay, time-wise, where would you spend 70 or 80% of your time? Uh, Now, most developers like to think they spend 100% of their time programming. uh, But I would say, hopefully, effective developers aren't just spending the time at their computer, but they're code reviewing, they're sure. collaborating with other developers, they're talking to end users or customers to showcase. You know, They work in planning or estimating and retrospective. So it's probably more like 70 or 60% of their time is actually spent c- coding. Um, but that's what a lot of the time a developer will be spent doing. Now, when you step into a tech leadership role, it's actually kind of interesting because a tech leader is effective because they understand the context of how developers are working. And they can talk in that language. But actually, when you think about the skills required to lead, this means about the facilitating. This means about the coaching, the asking questions. This means about setting a vision. These are very different skills. And also, once again, they're very different experiences. Mm. And so it doesn't automatically translate that somebody who is a really great developer has all the right Mm. skills immediately to lead effectively. And so that's why I talk about it as being a different sort of uh, um, career path or role, because a lot of the skills don't overlap.
0: Sure. I mean, that's one of the issues, right? Um, it, at least what I see in, in the fields that, you know, if you're a developer, you automatically need to get into this role of becoming a lead developer or mm-hmm. an architect at some yes. point in time. At yep. many companies, if you also, for example, want to grow your salary, right? Yes. If you want to grow yep. your salary, you need to take the next step. Yes. And I think that's a fundamental issue to think that the best developers will be the best leads yes. or tech leads, right? Absolutely. And I worked with a with for for a German consultancy for a few years, and they did it very clever. In my opinion, they did this decision yep. when you when you finished your, your senior developer mm-hmm. career more or less. Yeah. You had the choice of becoming a lead developer, yes. so really your, your main goal was leading teams and delivering stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. And the other one was um, technical expert. They call it technical expert. Yeah, sure. So, you worked in one very specific area. Yes. So, for example, you focused on JVM performance yeah. or you focused on more than web development, <laughs> yes. right? You're you you didn't have to manage people, but yep. you were very deep into one thing. And I think this was a very wise a wise choice. Yes. Because some people really didn't want to do this leading teams, right? They just Absolutely. didn't they were great developers. They were massively yes. good in what they did, but they didn't want to do this. Yeah? Exactly. And that's a really
2: great example of the what I'd say is the individual contributor track, that specialist kind of role, right? Okay. So somebody who knows the ins and outs of how the JVM works, you drop them into some area in that field and they know immediately or they can diagnose it really, really quickly. So there's a deep expertise. So if you think about, like, I I like to sort of take it back to RPGs where it's like the number of experience points you put into one sort of area Mm. gets very, very deep or very high very quickly. Uh, Whereas a a tech lead, they need to be broader. They need to have that technical depth, not the same depth as maybe a technical expert. They need to understand what's going on to have the right conversations. Mm. But actually the leadership skills, they need to be building experience points up in a different area. Mm. And then the third track is actually more management. So this is where I talk about more engineering management, uh, classical kind of header engineering, and, and sometimes CTO roles as well. So mm. that's the third branch of the Trident model.
1: So this means the, the tech lead is so the in-between zone, between a specialist and then having the pure management who has nothing to do with the technology itself as uh,
2: such. Sometimes, and this is why I actually kind of split it. So in a lot of companies, you have, um, I mean, we're really bad with naming, right? As an <laughs> industry. Sure. Yeah, we're yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So sometimes you have tech leads who are people managers. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have like development managers or engineering managers who are not responsible for technology. Yeah. And this is where um, I think it's OK if they're in the same person. Um, but my experience is if you have a really great technical lead who understands deep architecture, modern technology, uh, sort of keeping up to date with the technical system, and they're responsible for people management, uh, I found that they end up being either one or the other, particularly when a team gets over a certain size. So mm. for a small team of three to four developers, that can work very well. But when you get to a team of five or six, uh, they end up trading off time implicitly of saying, actually, like I have to drop one-on-ones because there's too many technical topics to take care of. Mm. And this is where I found it useful to sort of split that ex- uh, explicitly. Is that you have some people who are really excellent uh, engineering managers, but they're not deep technical specialists, mm, mm, right? Mm. So they understand the nature of software, mm. they understand what is necessary in an environment, and they know how to sort of facilitate the rest of the organization mm. to unblock things, to make sure the team has everything that they need. Once again, they're very different skill sets from technical leadership or from individual contribution. Mm. And so I think there's an area for all three specialties. I mean, a lot of this has to do with how well people work together at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. Um, But I I find it's useful to sort of explicitly split out the tech lead role and then an engineering manager or a team lead role, uh, which is more focused on sort of what I call uh, delivery, people, and process and
0: culture. What would you? Where would you put the classical architect? If people talk about architects, yes. is it not more that the manager, that the solution to enterprise architecture is, is more in the managing side already? Yeah? Uh,
2: so I, I would probably put the architect more in the technical leadership track. Okay. Um, so it also depends on the scope and remit, right? So I think when you think of a career ladder, my expectation is the higher you are up in a career ladder, the more impact that you have. Sure. So if for instance, an enterprise architect, you know, they'll be optimizing to make sure that we're not reproducing a system four times across an enterprise, yeah, okay. right? So their impact is very broad because they're looking multiple de- department or multiple team-wise, whereas a tech lead is very much focused on the systems that a team will own mm. and evolve and develop. And so a more, say, application architect would probably be the same as a tech lead, which is very much at a sort of system level, mm-hmm. at a team level, Of course, it depends if the system is very large, (laughs) but but I would say it's more technical leadership because a lot of this has to do with stewarding choices, decisions, and sort of debates uh, around technical topics, Mm. right? So let's take a concrete example. Let's say, um, you know, the the system is evolving to a point where you maybe need to change your messaging infrastructure, right? Mm. It's not really something that a team lead or a people person might focus on. It's a very technical topic, and part of this is really trying to understand, OK, what's the problem being solved? What are we trying to mm. optimize for? What are the trade-offs? What's the right decision process? What's the impact of how do you migrate these? Uh, you know, How do you convince product people to invest in the migration path? Mm. Making sure that there's a clear way forward. Um, these are very leading technical mm. themes. Mm. And this is where it's not just a choice of a single developer to just go off and implement this thing. The leadership part is really about making sure that everyone who's contributing to that system understands why we're going on this journey, uh, where we're heading towards, um, you know, being involved as much as appropriate, um, uh, and coming up with the right decision-making mm-hmm. process around technical topics.
1: Well, you, you bring up several social aspects, so yes. it's, it, which is why I, I find this role pretty much in the in the middle between a very local. Um, mm-hmm. Role and also a ground role like a manager, so you yes. have pretty much two hats in one in one person. Then the technical aspect, still looking at where what to do, and mm-hmm. then at the, se- at the same time also be as close to the developer actually doing it or implementing it, yes. and also making them feel yeah that's the right one. That's uh, yes. making I, convince them actually.
0: I think you need to be very close to developers because otherwise, in this position, you will not have the commitment from the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you really need. You know, it's it's. It's, it's nothing worse than, I think, working in a team where you have some kind of technical leader and people don't really see him as a technical yes. leader because he just has this role, right? But he doesn't have the commitment from the team. And then you have this, this thing where people are working aside from him, yep. you know, mm-hmm. that they're all, you know, unofficial technical leaders and stuff like this. Yes. Which,
1: which is why I also, well... Two parts. The The comparison with the military sergeant, I like because of the, the closeness and the, the social aspect. It's yeah, not actually. so good because of the military aspect, sadly, though it's for now the most fitting role that I would be happy if we have a different comparison, perhaps, I don't know, a coach and a sports know. team, it's, I don't know. So I, I like to describe it as a, a shepherding role, mm. because I think what you describe
2: is less about the managing side, but more about the leading side. Mm. And that's why the technical leadership side is very important, yeah. because sure. leadership means... Uh, ensuring everyone's moving towards the same direction uh, sort of coaching and, and growing people from a technical side and you're right David in that you know people who are in that role need to be respected I think this is one of the problems with mm. kind of maybe old-school architects where some yeah. of the decisions don't fit the problem that people are having so I te- I'm really
1: tell architects yeah mm-hmm. and so tech, te- lead.
2: yeah,
0: really
2: yeah, tech leads need to have enough respect from their team or the people they're working with that they understand they're trying to help us solve this problem and to try mm. to you know, get over many disagreements, perhaps across different teams. Um, I've seen management from a different perspective because there's other things that I wouldn't expect a tech lead necessarily to do. So let's take budgeting. Let's talk Mm. about, like, headcount planning. Let's talk about roadmap planning, uh, um, Mm. sort of reporting out to the rest of the business. They're very classical, more management, uh, sort of, you know, how a team is organized. They're not necessarily things that will fall automatically to a tech lead. Sometimes they will because of the blurriness of the role. But I think there are things that are very outside you, a tech lead doesn't need to do. But to really, you know, corral a team towards the same technical direction, that's the key element of the leading side.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. That this, yeah. I think this is a very interesting discussion, especially because when I talk to people about this topic, they usually see it more or less black right, right? They say. You know, things like, we don't need architects anymore, yes. we should have just, you know, technical <laughs> leaders and and, and uh-huh. architects are all renamed not to lead developers yes. and stuff like this. But I think it's very interesting what you say, that you you need all those three roles, right? Yes. You need people who take care of all the three things, right? You still need good architects mm-hmm. who have a good overview about all the things which are going on, yes. which somehow shape also the the company in which direction to go. But you also need those 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 leads, which... Uh, Emily Bage did, did an interesting talk about this. I heard it a couple of years ago already. And she said, a good architect is somebody who provides the kitchen for the developer uh, A good lead developer is somebody mm. who provides the kitchen for the developers. right? And I, I think this is a very interesting metaphor. That's a great right? metaphor. So, you know, you yeah. that, that's that's what it is about.
2: Yeah. yeah, Yeah, and a kitchen needs to be very, uh, like a professional kitchen, needs to be very uh, organized, exactly clean. Yeah. Knives uh, sharpened the right tools, that's a very good metaphor
0: actually. Yeah. yeah, I also liked it, that's why I remember it I guess. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, I will say a refinement of that is that I think it's necessary to make sure that there's an emphasis on those three areas, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to have people in each of those roles. Sure. So that's why you might see sometimes that a tech lead might also be responsible for people and growing people and development conversations. Uh, but once again, uh, if they have too much uh, work to do and there's too many people, Often things start falling apart, and which is why it's often useful to have multiple people play this. They have to play along well, but it means that less things will tr- fall through the cracks.
0: But if you set up a new team, let's say you have, you know, a new company, a new startup, yeah. and you have five new people, and uh-huh. you want to set up, maybe you have the, the engineering was was outside of the company, now you want to put it inside the company. Yeah, um, would you would you define the technique? Detect tech lead before or would it just keep those five people working and see who is naturally growing to become a tech lead?
2: I'll give you the classical consultant answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it depends, yeah. depends on what? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So, um, so, well, I mean, it, it really depends because, like, let's take an example where all you have is some people who are, you know, fresh out of university. Yeah, sure. Right? Like, they need guidance and shepherding. They've never maybe built a system. But let's say that you have five very senior, experienced people. Each of them have built lots of systems Mm. over time. You have a different context, right? And if they get along well, then you maybe don't need a leader, right? Because they've already worked out a way to work together. Mm. Now, sometimes really experienced developers can get even more confrontational than, you know, people who are very new to the industry because they're kind of maybe set in their ways and opinions. And that's where you might need a strong technical leader, to help make sure that everyone feels heard, to make sure that there's the right decision-making process, to make sure that, uh, you know, um, decisions do get made and that conflict gets resolved. Mm. Uh, So that's why I think it really does depend on the situation. And I think this is one of the challenges when people step into that sort of role from developer to tech lead, is that you have to be able to deal with people
1: and the variety of, you know, dynamics that come with that. Mm. Is this, is this always this evolutionary step from a developer to a tech lead or is there also a different branch where I could diversify into becoming the tech lead? Is having the technical experience the minimum re- requirement for becoming tech lead?
2: Uh, no, I think the, the, the second word is the key, is the leadership. So uh, if I was to sort of think about the strength of an effective tech lead, I always say that they need to have enough technical knowledge to facilitate the right conversations but they need very strong leadership skills. Mm. So this means about influencing, this means about relationship building, this means about uh, conflict resolution skills. These are things that don't naturally come to developers. Like you don't spend your time building, influencing relationship skills when you're working with a computer, Mm. because you have to really understand the dynamics. Um, Trying to convince product owners of investing in technical debt, Mm. um, managing technical risks. These are a lot of things that don't naturally come to developers. Um, and they don't practice this, right? Nobody asks me to do this, but these are the things that are expected of a tech lead.
0: It's very unnatural for developers, as you said, right? Because developers, uh, J.B. Rainsberger, he said a couple of uh, months ago when I met him at the conference, he was starting to become a developer because actually he loved working with a computer because finally somebody did something how <laughs> <Yes. laughs> he wanted to do it yeah. huh? yeah. and he never managed this with human beings yes. and he said that, that that's for him as a developer the hard point right yes. it's not always easy for developers no, to yeah. handle people and still to work with them right yeah. so is it not more like a scrum master role with a very technical focus this this whole technical leadership because you said it's more about facilitating, right? It's not making the decisions directly, it's it's moving the teams into the right direction. So.
2: Uh, you could call it a Scrum Master, but I mean, Scrum has a very strong definition about what a Scrum Master does about yeah. helping the team adopt Scrum. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the way that I look at it is that, once again, if you look at a person, it's like having multiple hats. Is that people mm. can play multiple hats, right? So, some people are fathers, some people are brothers, some people are partners. And they play a role of a tech lead and a scrum master, whatever. Like, you can play multiple things. So you can have a tech lead uh, and a scrum master. um, But some scrum masters, for instance, never come from a technical background. So you can't facilitate a conversation if you don't necessarily understand what people are talking about. So if somebody is arguing about, I don't know, Kinesis versus Kafka, you kind of need to understand what the trade-offs are in order to ask, you know, the right questions. And that's Mm. where the tech lead is very, needs to have enough context of those tooling and the consequences. Um, And it's not necessarily also about facilitating. Sometimes it is about making a hard choice, Mm, right? mm, Because mm. uh, some decisions do need to be made. Mm-hmm. Because a team can't find a way forward, right? So you need somebody who can be then trusted by the team. Because it comes back to what you were saying, David, about exactly. the team yeah. won't commit yeah. if they don't believe in the person that they have. So and this
0: can block a whole team, right? Absolutely. And I think it's it's super hard to be a tech lead in a very senior team, right? Yes. Because they all have their opinions, they yeah. all have their experiences mm-hmm. already. Yeah. And you know, at some point, as you say, you need to make a decision. Yes. yes. It's it's not always like right. It, it has all the advantages and disadvantages. Exactly. And it, it's really hard. And if you don't have Somebody, everybody trusts him, right? Yes. You know, he, he's taking responsibility. He made this decision mm-hmm. now and, and it's clear, okay, yeah. it will not be maybe the perfect fit. Or exactly. But, but at least we have a decision. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's I think another thing that a tech lead brings, which
2: is very interesting, <laughs> is often also a different horizon, right? So mm-hmm. a tech lead should be thinking a lot longer term. Now, obviously, all teams and individual contributors should be thinking longer term but often people are focused on what their current activity is right so some people may not be thinking about you know what other teams are doing they may not have visibility of what other teams are doing and are they optimizing for themselves as an individual or are they optimizing for the organization yeah. and so a good tech lead will also act as like a bridge to you know understand what other teams are doing technically and make sure that their team is also sort of moving in the same direction or at least aligned
0: yeah that's cool yeah cool so what what are your tips how, how could you become a tech lead? Well, what, is, what do you need to do?
2: Yeah, so um, I think there's a lot of great opportunities for people who are looking to move towards this. Um, one of the best ones is actually already if you already work with a tech lead and architect, ask them uh, if, they, if you can take over some of their responsibilities. Right? Okay. So uh, in a certain way, it helps the other person delegate more things to somebody Uh, It helps you grow as a person. So it helps them scale and it helps you have an opportunity to practice something with support from somebody who's been doing it already. Um, The other way is also looking at new opportunities. So this is kind of what we've done with Career paths at N26. We talk about seniors uh, starting to move towards their technical leadership journey is that they need to start maybe mentoring one or two engineers Mm -hmm. and they need to take responsibility for maybe a small service or a small area of a system. So rather than responsibility over the overall architecture for a large system. Maybe they take over a sub-module and they're kind of the steward or shepherd for that module to make sure there's cohesion and integrity within that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so their scope is smaller, but they start thinking about, okay, uh, as a developer is contributing to this, is it going to add to technical debt? Is it the right decision? How do we make sure that we're, do we have a common understanding about where we're going with this? And so that's a good way of practicing some of these skills. Um, And then also starting to invest in uh, reading about leadership skills Mm -hmm. because this is something that refactoring books, testing books, microservices, architectures books won't tell you how to be an effective leader.
1: Um, All of these sound like planning to become a technical lead. So so what's the majority of cases? Is the majority that people opt in for becoming a tech lead or is the majority, we need a tech lead, you are it? Uh,
2: Often it's the majority of we need a tech lead, you're it, good Mm -hmm. luck. Uh, And then there's a shock. And so that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book about Talking with Take Leads is to help people understand what the differences are, because it's like one of those things until you've played the role, you don't realize it's actually a very different role uh, with different skills. And then once you're in that role, you end up being really stressed out because nobody's prepared you for it. So Mm -hmm. we do like a training course that I've developed, which helps people um, sort of experience and practice some of these skills. And we always try to get people who are either existing tech leads and people who are sort of on their way to go there so that people who are particularly on their way to go there start to hear about the differences, right? <laughs> to hear about the different experiences. And the challenge with the role comes back down to the people element is that, once again, every team is different, every situation is different. So there's no one right way of being a tech lead because there's yeah. no one right way of dealing with people.
0: So that's what I wanted to ask, actually. Do you think that a tech lead who is good for in one team would automatically be good in another team or does it not depend all, you know, it it all depends somehow together, right? Yeah, uh,
2: it does depend. I think they're more likely to be more effective. Um, But I think it's with everyone experiences working in different teams, as that dynamics change over time, right? So the same team, even with maybe one different person, can change completely. Um, so there's no guarantee gar- There are no guarantees yeah. when it comes to people. So I think the way that I look at teams and, and leadership is about yeah. like complex adaptive systems is that you have a whole bunch of things that you can sort of nudge, uh, but the behavior will be emergent. Right? Yeah. So the things you can do to sort of dampen unwanted behavior and things you can do to encourage more desirable behavior, but there's no way of guaranteeing the output of the system. Uh, there are things you can do to make it more likely, right, so a good leader will hopefully be making sure that everyone's growing, everyone is challenged, everyone has a way of contributing their sort of solution and ideas, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully that will translate to a new team, but there are no guarantees, and this is one of the challenges, like when you work with a computer, right, it's it's red when the test fails, or doesn't, the compiler doesn't
0: work, yeah, like it's it very clear. Instant feedback. Yeah, but, so,
1: uh, with people, it's not so quick. So it, yeah, it, it comes down again for me the, the view of having two hats in with the same patterns, though in a different area. So one area would be the technical aspect, mm-hmm. growing the technical aspect mm-hmm. and all what is combined with that, as well as growing with the team and growing the team itself as yeah. well in parallel. Yes. Mm. And it's a big challenge. <laughs> we are stumped at this point now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, but um, I mean, but you have your
1: trainings at least. Yes, I mean, mean,
2: if that's one interesting question about for people is why would you want to do this, right? Is uh, a thing about having more impact is that some people still like writing the same program and you know solving problems, but other people sometimes want to try something different, and I think this is an interesting thing where I've seen people go into a tech leadership role and then they go back to being an individual contributor. And that's perfectly fine. Right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, sure. I think that's the interesting thing about our industry today is that you know, even in the same company, you have multiple opportunities. And it's very rare that people stay in the same company for 20 years. Uh, so even when you go into a new sort of area, somebody might choose actually to go back to being an individual contributor, and that's perfectly fine. Or they might go back to leading a different team, bigger team, a distributed team, a different context with different problems. Um, and I think all those skills that you develop will make you a better engineer as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, sure. So this,
1: yeah. this this also gives the, the point of having a pingback between technical lead and then becoming a regular developer, so without technical leadership role, yeah. in order to stay on top of the technical aspect. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that this could be a possible path for people looking into this for a more uh, regular future.
0: Absolutely. I think, I mean, um, to me, the people which are in this... Technical lead role, I would somehow, I mean, it's not called everywhere the same as you mentioned, yeah. yeah? But I don't have numbers, but I would say 80% of those people are actually saying that they would love to spend more time on the keyboard again. Yes. Yes. So actually, we have a lot to learn, I think, in this area.
2: Absolutely. And I think one of the challenges, um, what I've seen with effective tech leads, uh, and this is hard because it takes a lot of time and experience to develop it, is that those people can spend time on the keyboard. Because they've effectively delegated and grown, yeah. right? So but this has a lot to do
0: with trust, right? It has you need a-, a lot yeah.
2: of to do with trust, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah that's interesting. Yeah. But that's I mean, effectively, what a good leader will do is build up trust, yeah. um, but also grow people and delegate so that they can also contribute.
1: Mm.
0: Cool. So so you say that the natural part would be as a developer at some point in time you want to have more impact, right? Because you see, okay, you're very good in what you do, but actually you you see that you actually could even maybe have more impact on the product you're building. That's Mm -hmm. why you want to move into this direction. So this would be the right signal where you say, okay, maybe I should, you know, work on this this leadership skills and stuff like this. Yeah,
2: and I think another thing is that, you know, all I think developers love to learn and grow and do something different. And, you know, some people get bored of learning another framework or get bored of learning another tool, right? And actually, this is another opportunity for them to actually learn something very different because you never stop learning when it comes to people. Uh, I talk about (laughs) sort of adding more tools to the toolkit and that bag just keeps getting bigger. (laughs) It never stops being full because there's no right way. Um, And there's a lot of interesting ways for people to learn about, you know, team dynamics, about communication patterns, about how to resolve technical discussions, mm. um, that actually offers a lot of growth as well.
0: Yeah, that's true. I also have this feeling that at some point in time people just get bored of Framework X, right? They say, yeah. okay, it's, I've seen now that there's six JavaScript framework mm-hmm. in, in five yeah. years. Yes. Maybe let's do something different. And yeah. Maybe that's a good opportunity for Absolutely. Them. Cool. Yeah. So, I think. We are done with another great episode of Developer Millage.
1: Also, already, do, don't do we also want perhaps to give some sure. information about what is happening in Vienna? Sure, that's a point. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. I think
0: you do a meetup, um, yeah, but so. I'm not sure if we will fit it when we release the episode, I guess, and it's already done, mm-hmm. but I think it was, it was great then. After <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and 26 <laughs> will be hosting
2: a few more meetups as we open cool. an office in Vienna as so, well. So when
0: are you so. opening the office? Well, uh, what exact
2: the date's it's not quite sure, but it'll be late uh, this year, so... Uh, I guess
0: you're still looking for people, so... Yeah, exactly,
2: so sort of Q3, Q4, it'll be open.
1: Cool. Yeah. So and your meetups, we'll, we'll address which topics... Uh, it'll be a
2: variety of topics. So in in um, Berlin and Barcelona, we've hosted. We've done everything from our, how we do our iOS and Android to our SRE. We host common, uh, common sort of security uh, sort of workshops in Berlin as well. Because uh, obviously, for us as a bank, security is super important. We want to grow more awareness around that. Mm. Uh, so all types of topics.
0: So it's an N26 meetup, but how is it called on meetup.com? Then? Uh,
2: yeah, we just look at N26, and um, there's a meetup for Berlin and Barcelona, oh, and cool. there'll be one for Vienna as well coming cool.
0: up. Cool, great. So otherwise in Vienna we have the Agile Tour coming up. Exactly, it's in it's September, I think. Yeah, it's, it's all about Agile. Yeah. There's another... Um, um, conference. It's called Webclerks. It's a rather small single-track JavaScript mainly conference. Um, it's also very, very good in my opinion. It's a lot of local speakers as well as some international top stars. It is usually a quite good mix. And then we of course have again in January in uh, Lech, it's in Vorarlberg, so it's on the other side of Austria. A great conference which is called H&SH, Agent Conf. Um, it's a mixture of very typical Austrian stuff of two days conference and two days skiing. Nice. So, <laughs> Sounds very ideal. Really amazing. I was the, the, the last <laughs> year also as a speaker and it was really great because you know after after the two days conference yeah. which are very stressful usually you have two days to talk to people what they think about what wonderful you're talking about and if you love skiing it's it's a perfect mix. So great. it's it's really cool. Right?
1: And the other one, other thing is in November then the Global Day of Code Retreat. Oh yeah, uh, which is this th- this year two days, fifteenth uh, and sixteenth of November, uh, because we have the ten tenth uh, year anniversary of Global Day of Code Retreat. So oh. what is A code retreat, um, Deliberate practice of programming and or perhaps also social skills.
0: Have you ever been to a Global Day of Code Retreat? Uh, when you know in yeah. yes, really, yeah. yeah, it's
1: it's great. Uh, we, I, I,
0: I was there, uh, I a Two or three times now, and it's it's really you. Every time, learn something new, right? Yeah. Is it a programming language, or is it some kind of going deeper into a skill, or you know, as you say, yeah, working together with 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 different people you do not know is also very interesting in different environments.
1: For Vienna, we managed to have two locations, so both days are settled so far. Cool. And on uh, for more, watch uh, Global Day of Code retreat uh, homepage. Can you can
0: you share the locations maybe?
1: Uh, so far we have the uh, Zülke, Zülke Vienna, okay. and on Saturday it will be a Tech Talk.
0: So it will be on a Friday and on a Saturday. Friday and Saturday. Correct? Is it okay to 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 come to both days or?
1: Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> for for the Super. maximum amount of learning, yeah, you, you can then tweet and then put it on your resume, what have you. <laughs> right. So, uh, Pat, um, so do you have anything that you want to advertise on about you, your company? So that's pretty much your minute now.
2: Yeah, um, so N26 uh, are hiring. Um, We said that we're opening up the office in Vienna, um, but we also have offices in Berlin, pastoral, and New York. Uh, And um, if you're looking at sort of doing uh, interesting modern tech stacks, so microservices-based, we have Java and Kotlin on the back end, very modern sort of web, uh, very modern iOS and Android, uh, and want to see what a modern banking platform would
0: look like, then we are hiring as well. Cool. So, so if, you, if you start to work in vienna 26 and you find out that you would like to go to Barcelona for half a year, let's say, would this be possible?
2: Uh, we haven't started doing internal transfers, um, but I think that it will be in the plan coming up at some point. It's probably not going to be for half a year. It's probably more like a year transfer. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, But uh, I mean, the great thing about Europe is that, you know, we have people who fly back and forth for workshops to keep initiatives off together. Um, New York is a little bit harder, because distance is obviously a little bit further, but um, it's a great opportunity for people to also do a little bit of travel, but not like a weekly consulting travel.
0: Cool. Super. Thanks for having you, Pitt. Thanks for having me. 19th episode of Development Rush. Great to be here.